Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Give the gift of the best authentic Greek olive oil this Christmas, Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Imported directly from the Zordo's family gardens in Greece, this gourmet olive oil will be the best one-of-a-kind gift for any chef, foodie, friend, or family member in your life. This gift can be enjoyed all year round. Visit www.zordosoliveoil.com. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Wednesday, December 31st, 2019. A new year is upon us, and with the new year comes the NFL playoffs. Welcome to Hitting the Playoffs here at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, as well as the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Today we are presented by Zordos Olive Oil. Find them online, zordosoliveoil.com. Pick yourself up some extra authentic virgin Greek olive oil today. It's the perfect way to get all your Super Bowl food prepared just right. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my co-host. He's a man who needs no introduction, but he's going to get one anyway. He's Big Stevie Cool, the Stevie Richard. Stevie, welcome to your show. Holy shit, that was about 3,000% better than how I started this thing. They, they don't get to hear it, but if you're, if you're live on twitch.tv forward slash conspiracy horse, I mean, you, you now know the difference between an amateur and a pro. That was great, man. Good job. Now, I... It's like I you do, do it what for I a living or something. I know, right? Uh, Stevie, I wanted to, I wanted to start things off kind of in the world of professional wrestling, ironically enough, because I've got to get your take here. About an hour ago, I saw the article come across from Forbes.com that gets further into the details of this WWE and XFL lawsuit. Have you been following this story? And what do you make of what we're seeing so far? I, I think that like I, I I just got the article from the messenger. I wanted to get your take on it and kind of like a synopsis of what's going on. I I worked for WWE for almost ten years, and I was there for the first uh, incarnation of the XFL, and I saw personally like a lot of uh, our pays go down pre XFL and especially post FX XFL and. Uh, I can't quite remember because it all kind of melts together what the exact um, timeline, if that's when it was a publicly traded company or not. But I do know that it affected our pay. And I do know when uh, Alpha Entertainment and uh, Vince McMahon, who formed Alpha Entertainment, and he cashed in uh, three and a half million stocks, shares, I think. $375 million worth of stock between 2017 and 2019. Yeah. You would think it'd be on the up and up that he was looking to fund this himself. It looked like it was not going to be um, blurred lines between WWE and XFL. I kind of knew different in a way when they said, oh, it's going to be completely separate. There won't be any WWE influence on a creative thing. But at the same time, and I'm not talking about what we're going to talk about financially. That's much more serious. I was like, how can you not have these stars from WWE try to give some kind of credibility or some kind of attention 
uh, to the XFL. Also, I knew in a way from looking at the AAF, the Alliance, if people don't remember, the Alliance of American Football, that even a $250 million infusion of funds from the Carolina Hurricanes owner, I believe that's who it was, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, could not make them last beyond another week or two. So Vince Cash ending $300 million is like, wow, that's a fun little thing. That's a cool little start. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up the AAF because that's actually now becoming part of this lawsuit in the new documents that have been disclosed. I, evidently, there was some kind of a supposed meeting between the Eversols and Vince McMahon because the Eversols wanted to buy the copyrights and trademarks for the XFL. They wanted to call the AAF the XFL. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. $50 million on the table, and Vince lets that money just walk away and decides that he's going to restart the XFL instead. And that's part of this lawsuit saying that, you know, Vince does not have the WWE's best interest at heart. There's no way that he can be the head of both World Wrestling Entertainment and Alpha Entertainment. That's a conflict of interest. And I almost wonder, because this was filed by a group of retired firefighters down in Oklahoma. It turns out that at current stock price, they only own about $6,400 worth of stock. This almost strikes me as like a disgruntled WWE fan who is trying to use a legal loophole to get Vince McMahon out of creative. Well, I there's two different things to look at. Obviously, you can look at it with your heart and say the creative sucks, the product sucks, the ratings are low, everything like that. But I would assume from a stockholder's perspective is how much is your TV licensing deal? How much is the Saudi Arabia deal? We don't care if Khashoggi got chopped up by 15 people. What what did you get for Saudi Arabia? Now, there was a big to-do that Saudi Arabia wasn't paying Vince, and that's why they were left on the tarmac and the top, the top 10 or 20 got to fly out while everybody else was essentially held hostage. Let's just tell the truth about that. It was an international incident that got really swept under the carpet. But we were talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that Saudi Arabia owed WWE. I'm surprised the stock prices didn't drop off of that. Um, this may do it. Now, when you look at the WWE, and this is where I got to be a little careful on everybody is because it's pure speculation, but essentially it's still a privately owned company that's publicly owned. The, right. the stockholders, like the firefighters fund, do not sit there and go, we need a vote of no confidence because this guy can't run the company. Like any normal company could do that with stockholders. The shareholders don't determine like, why are you paying Brock Miller, Brock Lesnar $12 million a year to work four times? It does not operate like a regular corporation in America. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and that's really the entertainment business all the way around, whether it's Hollywood or what's happening in the music business, sports entertainment, professional sports like the NFL that we're getting ready to talk about. I mean, like Jerry Jones and Vince McMahon are basically the same person. Yeah, I did a video on my YouTube channel talking about Jerry Jones being a money mark, and he's no different than Vince. You can tell him eight and eight seasons that, well, Vince, I would say Jerry's a little more business-like like Vince and doesn't care as much about the product. Uh, well, actually, that's exactly like Vince, so there I go. But it just, there's a lot of similarities with Jerry Jones and Vince being money marks that I Jerry essentially 
this is where I think Vince and even Hunter, Stephanie, or whoever else is in charge of these things, they don't want great ideas. They just want them to be their ideas. Jerry Jones fired Jimmy Johnson when they could have got three more potential Super Bowl victories, but Jerry Jones wanted all the credit, not even some of the credit. If he got 10% of the credit from Jimmy Johnson, it still wasn't enough because, hey, I paid for this team, so I should be – Who? what other owner makes themselves GM? Yeah, what, and, and nobody gives Barry Switzer any kind of credit. That was all Jerry Jones. Well, I don't think Barry Switzer really deserves that kind of credit according to Troy Aikman. Yeah, uh, it, it, that was still Jimmy's team. He's essentially did Jimmy. I mean, he really – you could have ran that team without a head coach, and I, and I dare to, to do this. Like Jerry Jones – if you're that great and you know that much about football, why are you not coaching a team? One season, I want to see you coach the team because supposedly you know how easy it is. It's supposed to be easy. But that's another thing about wrestling too. You you have a, a process and a system with WWE especially that you have 27 writers, you have 50 agents or however many agents you have. You have all these in-between people that I believe are essentially uh, obstacles to get the Vince. Cause if you can get right to Vince, you can get the, you can get the answers you need. You can get the the accountability, the culpability and the direction you need. I think it's set up overcomplicated in order to put up all these different little things to blame people. And also you can blame, you can fire 27 writers. You can fire 50 agents. You can fire uh, Eric Bischoff, now Bruce Pritchard, now Paul Heyman. You've bought yourself till the end of the TV contract. You've bought yourself till the end of the Saudi deal. And you bought yourself um, essentially higher stock prices. One thing I want to, while I'm thinking about it, this firefighter fund and this lawsuit, do you think it's going to open up more incriminating information if it is an SEC investigation? Well, I think that's really the thing is this lawsuit is a way to get a little bit closer look at the books. And if this thing gets any kind of steam behind it, you can see people like our very own RBV. He's a stockholder. You could see other stockholders start jumping into this thing and suddenly it becomes a huge class action lawsuit. It, well, a class action lawsuit would be the easy way, the easy way out because it's civil. You talk about a criminal lawsuit. You talk about Al how Al Capone came down for tax evasion. I yeah. I don't know if anything's going to happen. I always said that the independent contractor employee thing, which is looming over their head for decades. Well, we and we're seeing a big story like that going on in California right now, where they're trying to pass legislation that you, they even like Uber drivers can't be independent contractors. And how would that affect the pro wrestling industry and them performing in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's a lot to think about, and and it's not so much unionizing the wrestlers. It's more so if I always thought, and I'm trying to think, if politically someone wanted to go after Vince for, for his friendship with Trump or anything else, if he pissed off somebody in the Senate or Congress, that would be the one where they bring up the 19, I think there are 19 rules of determining an independent contractor versus a uh, an employee, which I think... WWE, uh, 15 or 16 of those 19 things are like lean on the side of being an employee. You have to, they tell you when to show up, tell you how exactly how to do your job, how to wrestle your match. They even have earpieces in the ref to tell you what move to do from move to move for the finish, the time you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to dress, what you're supposed to look like. And 
they determine like everything. You can't say, Hey, I don't feel like working today. I'll work tomorrow. That's an employee. So that's also the, the Jacksonville Jaguars from recent reports under Tom Coughlin with him as the uh, president of operations. You brought up the Dallas Cowboys and they're, kind of the talk of the NFL right now as to what's going to happen with Jason Garrett. Evidently he had a meeting with Jerry Jones yesterday. They didn't come to any kind of an agreement. There's going to be another meeting today between Jerry and Steven and Jason Garrett. What do you think is going on down there in Dallas? I don't know. We got it. That's what the chat room was talking uh, about. You know, they just let Garrett go to this morning. I, what I, I've seen, they haven't let him go yet. And it's funny because how many meetings do you need to have? <laughs> right. How like I, I feel like this is results in Jason Garrett staying like, otherwise why didn't Jerry just fire him? Do you think it's money? Do you think he can get him for cheap labor? Do you think he goes one more year with him? Now, no, you know, you want to talk about money. Jerry Jones, deep down, deep down. Do you think this is my conspiracy theory right here? He basically, when you have a coach, and the coach is going to play out the contract. Every coach I've seen that they weren't going to fire always had his deal done two years out, like well before the last season. Some of them two or three years out if you want a Super Bowl. My thought is that he purposely didn't pay Garrett or didn't extend Garrett to make him a lame duck coach. And then he could turn around and say, if Dak had a bad year, which basically he didn't, but they only won eight and eight, you're not going to get your 40 million a year. So yeah, basically I, he saves money. He had to pay Zeke because he knows Zeke will only have so much and he's going to run him into the ground like they did to Marco Murray, which yep. don't think any running back for Dallas doesn't remember that. So Zeke got paid. And I don't know if you're, if I'm going off on too much of a tangent, Zeke got paid, but he also didn't pay Garrett. So he lost the team. They weren't coached very well. They're another eight and eight season, which I think it's like six or seven out of 10 seasons. They won eight and eight, whether they won the division or not. Then Dak, they'll either, here's the, here's the thing. They're going to say Zeke did all the work and Dak needed Zeke in order to win or they don't win. So why should we pay Dak the money? So now you're forced into a team friendly thing and you get to get your brand new coach next year. I know it's a I, long that's a long road to go down, but he's he thinks more like a businessman than, than personally. Even. What I think is going to happen, I think they're going to franchise tag Dak. So Dak will just be on a one year deal, see what he does next year, and then decide if you're going to pay him or not. I think Amari Cooper is going to be the odd man out. It's, it seems to me that there's a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans that are just wondering what the hell happened to Amari Cooper the second half of the season. He just kind of disappeared. Nobody knows if he's hurt, if he was trying to play through something, but he did not seem like the Amari Cooper that we saw in Oakland and last season in Dallas. Very true. Uh, before I get my comments, some punk uh, 82, I believe it is, cheered uh, a few times and said they want to sign up for Steve Richards Fitness. That would be great. A great way to start out the new year. Uh, maybe Amari Cooper needs to do Steve Richards Fitness. Maybe he's, he, you never know. I mean, being a, being a receiver, being a pro athlete, a receiver especially, if you break a toe, if oh, you yeah. have plantar fasciitis, if you have something that's not even broke or torn or anything like that, it's going to affect you. And also, maybe just maybe somebody in the front office, maybe, maybe Jason Garrett, maybe somebody 
maybe Jerry wanted them benched. Once again, going to my conspiracy theory of we're not tanking the year, but in the long run, I fran we franchised tag Dak or he does the team-friendly deal. Garrett's gone. Now we bring in the quarterback whisperer. He'll take all the credit so we can franchise tag Dak again, <laughs> or we got the team-friendly deal anyway. Dude, it's, it's a ton of different stuff. Jerry is the master manipulator. And I'm still, I can't get over that you're telling me that he has, in two days, two meetings with Jason Garrett after a decade of eight and eight. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. And, you know, the other thing with Jason Garrett, too, I just found this out like last week. His brother-in-law is like the head of scouting for the Cowboys. So it's not just Jason Garrett that would be going. It's like a whole family affair down there inside of Dallas. Former Cowboys and then brothers and brother-in-laws and people that Jerry thinks that he can trust. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's definitely pretty incestuous, isn't it? Like, yeah, very much so. A, how do you have Jerry Jones is one thing because he's the owner and obviously he can do whatever, but when he puts his son in charge, how do you fire family? This is a, this is very, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's exactly like WWE with Stephanie writing the show. Vince will never fire no matter how low the ratings get. You, you keep it very incestuous and there's no real talk about anything. And then when Jerry dies, what's it, what's it going to be like when Stephen Jones is the, is the, or maybe he won't be the de facto or maybe it'll be like Denver is Denver even have owners yet. Or is it still, I don't think so. Is it still within the, the family trust or something right now? Yeah. I think it's still up in the air and it's just basically John Elway calling the shots, which just get your quarterback, and I think he can do okay after that. How could a quarterback not be able to pick a quarterback? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, another guy who, who's out of a job, Freddie Kitchens. He's out in Cleveland. Um, one year, that's all that Freddie Kitchens got, and that was all that Freddie Kitchens deserved. In fact, Freddie Kitchens should have never gotten that job. They should have hired Mike McCarthy to begin with, but they told Mike McCarthy that when we hire you, we want Freddie Kitchens to be your offensive coordinator, and Mike McCarthy passed. Stevie, does anybody even answer the phone from the 216 area code? Does anybody want to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? We're, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, power struggles. So essentially, to talk about the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, I believe, is looking for another employee, not a coach. Somebody he can tell, somebody he can, he can talk through. That's why Jason Garrett is perfect for him. Maybe that's why he'll stay. Uh who who's interviewing for the Cowboys job? Um, uh, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley. Maybe he's looking for he's looking for someone to be able to bully, not someone. Every coach, and I'm getting to the Browns because I think it's the same thing. He wants his Bruce Pritchard. He wants a yes man that'll say a yes, yes man. He wants somebody that's going to be the voice, the Jerry Jones voice with another body attached to it. The same thing here, John Dorsey should have been fired too. Even yeah. though he picked Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield look a good pick, John Dorsey, you know, the same power struggle happened in Kansas City with Andy Reid. And look at how much they flourished after you get rid of the, when you have two different messages going throughout and you have people struggling, I believe a lot of times that the head coach should be the GM. They should follow the Belichick thing, the Belichick thing because then if your coach doesn't work out, well, you know what? It's all your fault. You have no excuses. You're out. In a way, Jason Garrett should have been given at least 
more input, if not a full year as the coach and GM. This is your team. This is your team. If you succeed or fail, it's all your fault. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So Mike McCarthy coming in, Freddie Kitchens was hired because he was the Cleveland Jason Garrett. Yep, he's a stooge. And Cleveland, here's the thing. Cleveland at that point was worried about what are the optics? What are the optics of bringing Greg Williams on as the head coach, which I think would have been a good decision. He seemed to be doing a really good job. I think he earned a head coach job at least for one year. The problem is they were worried about Bounty Gate. They were worried about all this stuff. But no, let's let's bring in Odell Beckham Jr. and let's bring, let's let's sign Kareem Hunt. Let's do all this stuff. You would have been better off with Greg Williams because he wouldn't have he wouldn't have taken that, and he probably wouldn't have signed OBJ. Yeah, no, that's a very very valid point. I, I feel like they're the problems inside of Cleveland are most of it is up front. Like that offensive line is awful. I don't care if you've got. OBJ and I don't care. He's got all these weapons, but Baker Mayfield is running for his life every game because they didn't put any money into that offensive line. And if your offensive line stinks, you're just not going anywhere. Well, he's not completely blameless either. I mean, you know, he's going to roll to the right every single play. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Your how much of that falls on nothing. the coaching too, right? It's coaching. Cause no, the coaching, my God, I, that you talk about time management. I mean, Andrew Reed has been criticized for bad time management. This was like the all time worst time management, uh, play calling lots of, I mean, didn't Cleveland lose like most of their games? It, there was a couple blowouts, but most of them were, were like less than a touchdown. Weren't they? Yeah. But am I it, thinking about it? I mean, I think about another team. There was, if they didn't lose, there was quite a few times they were close and then three passes and you're out like, you know, and you had a chance to kind of uh, chew that clock and really work it. And so many mental mistakes. They were the most penalized team in the NFL. In one game, they had 19 penalties coming off of their bye week. I, you, you just, that, that's not acceptable. And that's all on the coaching. That was so the way I got hit in the head with a helmet too. Yeah. And then, the, so what does the coach do? He wears a t-shirt to Pittsburgh that says Pittsburgh started it. Like, I was amazed that they didn't just fire him right then and there. Just completely tone deaf. Very WWE. Um, so now they're looking at the the names that I'm hearing are Mike McCarthy, Greg Roman, the Ravens offensive coordinator, and Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Oklahoma. Those seem to be the top candidates for the Cleveland job. I just can't imagine any of those guys answering the phone from a 216 area code. There's another guy, and if we go to the Giants, he's in the discussion for both of those, I believe, under the radar, and that's um, Rex Ryan. I could see that. I could see Rex Ryan in Cleveland. He seems very, very Cleveland to me. I, I could actually would, see that. The people would love him. Baker Mayfield might have a problem with him, but who's going to coach him harder? He's he's already said he's overrated as hell. I, I yeah. would only miss Rex Ryan as a um, – as a talking head on ESPN, because I think he has a great career in broadcasting if he wants it. Let's talk about two teams at the same time, Washington Redskins and the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers fire Ron Rivera as their head coach. They immediately 
he turns around and he gets hired by the Washington Redskins because they don't have to fulfill the Rooney rule with Ron Rivera being a man of color. So the Redskins fired Jay Gruden after an 0-5 start. Bill Callahan put in as the interim coach. The Redskins stink. They were absolutely awful. Just a, a pathetic excuse of a football team. And the Panthers, they're in the market for a coach, too, after Ron Rivera makes his departure. And it seems as though Cam Newton very well could be on his way out, too. And we could finally see a rebuild of the Carolina Panthers. They they were terrible without Ron Rivera. Yeah, they, they stunk. Terrible. Uh, stunk. Ron Rivera used to be a defensive uh, player for the Chicago Bears. And obviously, he's coached the Panthers for a great deal of years. But he did great stuff with the offense. He's known as a defensive guy, and their defense is really good. I'm I'm wondering if now the Panthers need to bring in uh, a quarterback person. Because if Cam Newton's not there, who's going to Will Greer, Kyle Allen? I don't know. They might even draft a quarterback this year because it's quarterback heavy in 2020. Yeah, it's a very heavy quarterback draft. Very heavy draft. And when you look at all these the new high-powered offenses, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Deshaun Watsons. Like It almost seems like it's keeping up with the Joneses at this point. I, I could easily see Carolina going that kind of direction and just bringing in some kind of a high-powered offense. Maybe that's where Greg Roman ends up. Yeah, but once again, we go back to the Freddie Kitchens thing and even the Jason Garrett, where Jason Garrett was a, um, a good offensive coordinator. Are you able to yeah. delegate? Are you able to be the, the, basically the CEO of the coaches? There's a, there's very little coaching if you're a head coach, right? It's really just multitasking between and getting everybody on point. So Greg Roman's a great offensive coordinator, but what kind of head coach would he make in Carolina? It's a valid point. I, I'm terrified that he ends up in Dallas with all those weapons, and I'm just going to be, oh, my God. I can't, I, can't, I can't stomach if the Cowboys become really, really good. Uh, the Giants, they got rid of Pat Shermer. Uh, they retained Dave Gettleman, which I don't understand whatsoever. Uh, and it sounds like they're looking at Baylor coach Matt Rule as well. And this is a name that I'm seeing pop up everywhere, Josh McDaniels. I can't believe that anybody is going to give Josh McDaniels another head coaching job. But it, I keep seeing his name everywhere. He's not going anywhere. He he went back to New England for that to be the de facto um, heir to the Belichick throne. It, this is what I was going to say about Greg Roman. I'll say it about Josh McDaniels. Or, yeah, McDaniels. I was going to say Daniels. <laughs> what, what does an offensive coordinator make? What's their salary per year usually? What's the contract on that? especially if you're really good. I think it's a very under, I think coordinators, if they're not paid a lot of money, they're a very undervalued position. They do a lot of work and they make a lot of guys look great. A lot of head coaches look great. I mean, it can't get paid as much as a head coach, but I think depending upon what your identity is, say you're a defensive team. I think the defensive coordinator, like if Rex Ryan, somebody says he's overrated as a head coach, but he might, he's definitely not overrated as a defensive coordinator for the Ravens with Ray Lewis and Suggs and Ed Reed and all those guys. This is where there should be maybe a shift or more valuation put on the coordinators. Maybe even a quarterback's coach, if you think about it. On average, the average NFL offensive coordinator makes about a million dollars a year. That's it. Uh, the first coordinator to break the million-dollar threshold was Marvin Lewis in 2002. So that's not even that recent of history. Wow. And he's another example as a head coach 
that maybe, maybe even after 13 years, 14 years in Cincinnati, great offense. Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was a great offensive yeah. coordinator, right? Yep. For what he could do. I, I just think these guys, and this is somebody coming from a guy who can't stay in his own lane, go with your strengths. Josh McDaniels, I don't think, first of all, I don't think anybody should ever offer him a head coaching job after what he did to the Colts. Right. That, that just seems like I can't believe anybody would offer him a job. Is Antonio Brown anywhere in the show notes? Because that's a guy you talk about not offering anybody a job who's been offered a ton of jobs and still can't. Well, it seems like we can talk about Antonio Brown when we get to the Saints. Yeah, I guess he was down there working out with the Saints. Could you you imagine Drew Brees, Antonio Brown, and Michael Thomas? Get out of here. You can't because he already screwed it up, and we'll get to that. (laughs) But um, talking about the Giants, that's another one that Rex Ryan. You want to talk about a New York guy? Yeah. I don't know. Didn't they kind of run him out, though? They ran him out of the Jets, but... I mean, there's also that rivalry with the with the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, that's and a valid he's point. He's in the NFC East and, you know, cutting promos on Dallas Cowboys. And the yeah, I'd Eagles love to hear him cutting Red Jerry Skins. promos. Cutting What's Jerry that? promos would be great. Yeah. So, I mean, remember the famous line, we're not here to kiss the, the Patriots ring. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. There's also the foot thing. Maybe the foot thing's popular in New York. Cleveland the other name like that, that I keep hearing is Kansas City offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who was a former running back in the NFL. Um, I, I don't know how much stock I put into Kansas City offensive coordinator. Like the Kansas City offensive coordinator is Patrick Mahomes and whatever the hell he decides he wants to do on the football field. Well, and also Andy Reid being able to delegate what what to accentuate his strengths and hide his weaknesses. You know. I thought Andy Reid was the offensive coordinator. I didn't even know they had one. <laughs> so there you go. And there wasn't um, Matt Nagy, the, yeah. the the offensive coordinator. And yeah, ask Chicago how that's working out for him. That's another place Cam Newton could go. You look going back to Cam Newton. I really think these guys, this 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 Eric Benemy guy, and all the other people you may have never heard of. Everybody wants Sean McVay. They, yeah. they, if you had lunch with Sean McVay, you can get a head coaching job. But Sean McVay's been exposed too, and I know we're going to get to the to the Rams somewhere in here. He's been exposed as basically the what they said was what the most basic plays with a lot of movement. That's all it is. A lot of smoke and mirrors, motions and shifts, but it ends up in the same play as if you're just going to hike the ball. Yeah. Well, actually, we don't have the Rams on here because they didn't make the playoffs. All we're going to do is talk about playoff teams this week. Are, is there any teams that you're just you're wondering to yourself, how in the world did they miss the playoffs? I mean, the Rams absolutely would make that list. Well, they, they man, you want to talk about like going all in all now. They don't even have a first round draft pick until 2022, I believe. Right. Yeah. And you got to yeah. compete. You, you, you Here's the thing, though. Like, I can't understand like L.A. Like. Like you have a place that's beautiful, mostly all year round with beaches everywhere with, with all these things to do, all these places to eat, all this entertainment, you're right in the middle of Hollywood or sort of not too far from it. But yet you decide to, to plunk down three to $4 billion for a stadium for two football teams, not one. And then you have two basketball teams, two baseball teams. (laughs) Yeah. And the football teams are like the sixth most popular thing going on just in the world of sports in Los Angeles. And now 
you're going to suck. You're yeah. going to suck now unless you like hit the, the, unless you're like Belichick and you grab like three or four Tom Brady's before 2022 and the and Jared Goff's contract is completely overvalued. That's why Dak, see, that's why Dak's not going to get paid too. Jared Goff kind of screwed it up. Jared Goff might be the guy that maybe resets the quarterback market. I, I thought that guy should have been Aaron Rodgers. And we, we will talk about the Green Bay Packers. I am a Packers fan. And even when he signed that deal, I knew it was over. You know, like we should have won three Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers. Instead, we got one. And it was all because he had to get paid. Let's uh, let's start things off. The 49ers outlast the Seattle Seahawks by about six inches. 26 to 21. San Francisco clinches the number one seed for the first time since 1997. But it all comes down to Drew Greenlaw saving the number one seed with the tackle at the goal line on Jacob Hollister. Oh, yeah. And there was that stupid delay of game. There was a pass interference call that was clear as day that they didn't call. And for some reason, they didn't review. Why in the world did they even put that rule in there? Stevie, I feel like we could talk for an hour just about the last like 15 seconds of this football game. Doesn't doesn't it feel like week 17 was booked like properly, like a wrestling show should be booked? And then no, it, no, it, it, it that's not accurate because if that was the case, the Seahawks would have won. So my Green Bay Packers would have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. No, but as a wrestling fan, you actually have to leave with heat. You, now you're mad oh, and you want to see yeah. them lose. So you'll there tune you in. This game here, you want to talk about like, it looked like it was getting away. And then all of a sudden towards the end, it was like, wow, it was crazy football right down to, like you said, six inches. Now, the pass interference call was egregious and wasn't called. Alberto Riveron, as Pat McAfee calls him, should be fired. It's been the worst year for officiating since last year. And they review the one that was clearly not in the end zone, the, the, the final yeah, play. But they didn't review the pass interference. And it's they, that's why they put the rule in there. And, and this makes the difference of the 49ers getting the one seed versus Seattle getting the, the three seed and Green Bay getting a one seed. Like this completely shifted the way that the entire playoff picture could lay out. I'm not completely unhappy. I don't, we'll get to it, but I would much rather see my Philadelphia Eagles uh, play the Seahawks rather than rather than play. They would get destroyed by the Niners. The Seahawks have as many injuries well, I take that back. Nobody can have as many injuries as the Eagles, but they have a lot of injuries and their defense is pretty atrocious right now. They did go and they brought in beast mode because they do have a cluster of injuries at the running back position. He finishes out this game, 12 carries for 34 yards. That's about what I was expecting out of him. He wasn't even in shape from what I, from what I heard. He was like, he was retired and they just brought yeah. him back. Russell Wilson, 25 of 40, 233 yards, two touchdowns. I, I still feel like Russell Wilson should be the MVP. Without Russell Wilson, that team is just absolute trash. Jimmy Garoppolo, 18 of 22 for 285 yards. Are you buying Jimmy G? I'd buy Jimmy G more. Well, he's under Kyle Shanahan, which is basically a guy who is a disciple of Bill Belichick in one way or another. Bill Belichick basically... He handed Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners as a favor because he liked Kyle Shanahan and to give a big F you to, you know, Robert Kraft too. But I do buy him. It's all about the system. I think Garoppolo's, Garoppolo is a an example. 
that when you have the right system and they're designing plays, Lamar Jackson's another one, but maybe Jared yeah. Goff, you know, he, he, maybe for year one, I'm going back to that. It all depends. All depends on how much they're willing to do to get around you. Now his deals look like a big deal. Was it two years ago? He got the extension. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a bargain now when you look at the market rate and he signed, he signed Lynch signed Shanahan signed and their deals are basically all up at the same time. Right. Yep. It's the way it should be. Now. The only thing is they got to lock up Kittle. George Kittle Ooh. is an absolute freaking monster. I've known it for years because he went to tight end U, otherwise known as the university of Iowa. Um, Kittle is just a monster. I it's, He's like daring people to tackle him and then just dragging them 15 yards down the field. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. He's like the new Gronk. Yeah, I, people would say he's better than Gronk. I, I mean, not at this point, but where they are career-wise, one-to-one. Yeah. Here's a question, a bigger question. You talked about uh, Jared Goff and you talked about Garoppolo with the money. Do you think the money would change Kittle if they decided to sign him? Hmm. To it, like he's on a rookie deal right now, right? Yeah, he's still on a rookie deal. Um, they're gonna have to pay him, and if if they don't, somebody will. Um, well, I know who would want him. New England. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, it, it, in a heartbeat. I, I was amazed that they didn't move up in the draft to go get either Noah Font or T.J. Hawkinson, which came out of the same system as George Kittle at tight end. You. Um, Iowa has been producing great tight ends going all the way back to Dallas Clark. Uh, we, we've been just pumping out great tight end after tight end after tight end. And now the entire world is finally getting to see it. But I, I, I've been watching George Kittle for years and I don't remember seeing him play as possessed as he is for the San Francisco 49ers. It's doing it against big 10 competition. Like, you know, Minnesota is one thing and then doing it to professionals on on Sunday night football for the division, just absolutely crazy stuff out of Kittle. Well, you, you talk about the direct, uh, you know, comparison Brady to Gronk and Garoppolo was in the system with Belichick. What what a good tight end like this can do as a safety net. Jason Witten with Tony Romo, not yep. so much with Dak Prescott, but but still he can't. Jason Witten can hardly walk fast, and he's still catching passes. So tight ends are tight ends are are the the Swiss Army knife of football blockers. Yep. Right, they even go in the backfield and they run as fullbacks on goal line stands. So it's yep. there's a lot of different stuff. George Kittle, I mean, you talk about MVPs. I mean, he could be the MVP of the playoffs, MVP of the Super Bowl if it's played right. Yeah, he's a huge pro wrestling fan, and his personality is just larger than life. He's the people's tight end, fully endorsed by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, let's uh, not, let's not take his credibility away by by throwing wrestling on him. Well, let's take another team's credibility away. I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers. 13 and 3, and this is the worst 13 and 3 team that I've ever seen in my life. At the beginning of this season, I thought they were a 9, maybe a 10 win team that they would absolutely be right in it for the division with Minnesota, but I did not think that they were going to be this good, and after watching most of their games, they are not this good. I don't even know how they're winning football games at this point, let alone that they have a number or a number 2 seed in the playoffs and they get the first week off in a home game at Lambeau. I can tell you why they're they're thirteen and two, or why they're you know getting wins. It's because nobody's disguising themselves as um, a team series uh, <laughs> YouTube, a team series YouTube team to be able to to film Matt Lafleur and compile information on. Them. 
it, it's just what it absolutely is. He's a new insane. They can't, they can't quite get it down. I don't even think they're, I don't even think the team kind of can sync with them yet because I, I, I don't remember them. I'm not putting them there. Like, you know, some punk 82 says winning is winning. He's a backers fan. So, um, I think with the Packers, they they used to be one of the more exciting teams to watch too, and they seem boring now. Yeah, everything just see, feels very very routine. Uh, this week in particular, the, the Detroit, who's playing with a backup quarterback. Um, granted, the game is at Detroit, but so it's in a dome. It's indoors. It's not like they were playing out in the elements. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball fifty five times. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers is the best Aaron on the team. I think Aaron Jones is the best Aaron on the team. Just feed the kid the rock and let him run. But Rodgers is putting up these ridiculous numbers, 323 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He's got like 28 touchdowns and like four interceptions for the season. Um, it, it didn't help that Corey Lindsley was out in this game. It didn't help that Brian Bulaga was out in this game with a concussion. If Bulaga is out for the playoffs, it's going to be a very, very long playoff for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be running for his damn life. I just don't think this team is any good. I expect them to lose when they're play at Lambeau. Like playing at Lambeau doesn't even seem scary anymore. It was, it was weird too because David Blau, the, the the quarterback who's replacing right now uh, Matthew Stafford, who's out with a back injury, a broken back basically. Um, he he had some tape out there. It wasn't like it was his first week playing as a backup. So it was really weird how he was able to to really in some ways outplay Aaron Rodgers for most of the game. They were ahead, yeah. tw- what, 20 to seven, I think at one point, yeah. at one point they were up 14, nothing. It was really yeah. weird. I mean, then again, we're at a point in the season too. the last two weeks of the season, especially the last week, you're motivated to play spoiler. You're motivated to, to make somebody drive. You need some semblance of a, of your Super Bowl victory in a way. So you have nothing to hide. I mean, they, they, they pulled out a gadget playing uh, an Amendola pass to Blau for a touchdown. You're pulling out all this stuff because what do you got to lose? The season's over. And that's usually when teams like the Lions play, and the, the Dolphins, I'm sure we'll get to, play their best football. Week there's 12. no next week. To, who cares if I get injured? There's no next week. Week 12 at San Francisco, they lost by 29 points. They've beaten exactly two teams that are going to finish this season with a winning record. They beat Minnesota twice. They, so they beat Kirk Cousins twice. And then they beat Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes. Like, I, I'm just, I'm not impressed by anything Green Bay has done this year. I'm also not impressed by the Detroit Lions. Uh, they have decided that they are going to retain their GM as well as head coach Matt Patricia for another season. D- haven't we seen enough out of Matt Patricia? It depends on who's out there and who wants the job. If nobody wants the job, what do they yeah. pay Matt Patricia per year? Yeah, that's you a know, good what's question. What's the going rate? I mean, in Detroit stays with their coaches a long time. Detroit's kind of like Pittsburgh in that way. They don't give up that. How long was Jim Caldwell the coach? Quite a while, right? Yeah, it seemed like forever. The, Clay, the Clays might like Matt Patricia. Saints win big in Carolina, 42-10. to 10. I think the Saints are probably the scariest team inside of the NFC playoffs. Well, <laughs> yeah, they might be scary. They, 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 they want Antonio. I'm just laughing because I keep thinking about Antonio Brown, and now we're going to talk about it. They're an amazing team. They have amazing chemistry. 
I think they're a solid team. Cam Jordan can be a little bit of a troublemaker on the defensive side, but for all intents and purposes, you're not going to have anybody doing anything stupid to get suspended or get, you know, fined or do any, I'm talking about outside of the game. You're not going to, especially after Bounty Gate, I think they, they want to keep themselves on the up and up. But bringing Antonio Brown in, when you have Michael Thomas, who just broke the single season record for receptions, when you have Alvin Kamara, when you have uh, Jared Cook as your tight end, once again, a tight yep. end, what do you need this guy for? Well, I guess the question is, inside of the playoffs, when you're playing against good defenses, I mean, isn't the game plan against the Saints take away Michael Thomas? But how's that working out? Well, right, but they're also playing a lot of bad teams. I mean, when you get in there against the San Francisco defense, you get in there against the the supposedly good Green Bay defense, the Minnesota defense, the say they're at Seattle and it's a, a, a rainy, windy kind of game. Do you trust the Saints to win in that situation? I'm not sure. You're right. That's why That's why going back to these teams that, that kind of stink, having great games at the end of the season to play spoiler means everything right now. That's why Seattle's going to Philly off six inches at the end of the game. That's why New Orleans, I predict, will have another call. Of, they might not be pass interference, but there will be another call that will cost them a playoff game, if not the championship game. Maybe the Super Bowl. Dude, they, they just they just have this stink on. They must have pissed somebody off down there at the French Quarter who does voodoo or something, and they got they a year after a year. I think they had another play, um, a game or two ago that that was in that San Francisco game, right? A call mm-hmm. that should have been made in their favor. That's the game I want to see. I want to see the Saints in San Francisco. I want to see that game again because that game was exciting. That game was just absolute. I mean, nobody played any defense. It was like watching a Big 12 championship game. Will they play in the championship or are they going to see each other in the playoffs before that? They would play in the championship because New Orleans, assuming that they win against Minnesota, I believe goes to Green Bay. And we talk about a bad weather game for Drew Brees. That could easily be it in the middle of January. True. Oh, you forgot about the X factor in this. You want to talk about running or catching or doing gadget plays, Taysom Hill. Yeah. That's a guy that, you know, could be the counter to say a George Kittle in a way, because you want to talk about a guy that plays with intensity, guy that plays everything. He could be somebody that could be that could be that person that that the Packers may not be able to predict what uh packages they're gonna run. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, what do you need an Antonio Brown for? I just mentioned all these people that you can rely on, and you just got somebody he can run routes, he can do all that stuff. But also, the the guy can't he can't follow orders or requests. Please don't bring an entourage. It's what is he? Yeah, you could say, okay, you didn't ask me to not bring an entourage and a camera crew. So I specifically, like word for word verbatim. I heard your question and I did exactly what you told me not to do, but I did this. It's just, and you still worked them out. So what, what kind of message is that say to the team? Once again, I bet you there was a team meeting where where they said to whoever the team leaders are, go to the coach. We don't need this fucking guy. We don't need him because that can destroy a team. That's a cancer. Absolutely. Yep. And it'd only take about a week. Yeah, and I, from what I heard, this guy is just, it, he's a good teammate, he's smart, 
but he's not a good, he's not good for a team, if that makes any sense. Let's talk about your Philadelphia Eagles, Stevie. Yes. They defeat the New York football giants 34-17 on the road to win the NFC least. Carson Wentz throws <laughs> you for throw that in there. <laughs> 289 yards, one touchdown. I don't know who in the heck he was throwing to, and I'm not sure that he does either because these are all guys that were undrafted free agents off the practice squad, a couple of bums off of the street. Hell, I'm pretty sure, Stevie, you could get a job as a wide receiver for the Philadelphia I Eagles at this point. walk on next year. I might walk on next year. I got a good compliment from some punk 82 saying, when did I become an NFL savant? I, I don't know if I stay. Jargo is more of the intelligent savant type. I'm just going off his notes. That's all. Here's the thing with Philadelphia. And I think, it, I think it is, there is an analogy with Philadelphia sports teams with Philadelphia citizens, which I'm formerly, a, I'm a Philadelphia native born and raised we need to have our backs up against the wall. We need to, the, the Rocky thing. You need to have the odds against you. You can't be the front runner. You have to be the underdog. You have to have everybody doubting you or writing you off in order. So there's got to be, there's something wired with people from Philadelphia that you have to, I'll show you, you'll see. That's how that was all started with me. You have to doubt me. If you believe in me, it almost hurts me. If if I it's saying you guys are great, it almost is poison to the motivation of the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's why they're doing so great. Dude, this is this has Invincible and Rocky and all this stuff rolled into one. They're dangerous, man. Because now I mean, people are like, God, please don't let anybody get hurt. We'd hate to see what the four string guys look like. Yeah, because at this point, you're without your top three wide receivers. You're without your number one tight end, without your top two running backs. And now right tackle Lane Johnson, he's out too. Yeah. My, like, my, do my do wife you just go down the Lane. street and find the big fat guy eating a Philly <laughs> cheesesteak and be like, hey, we need a right tackle. Get in here. Maybe. My my wife was going nuts because um I, I forget I, his first name's either Austin or Boston Scott. He came off the practice Boston. squad. Boston? Yep. She was going nuts because my wife was tiny and, and short and this guy was like five six. So she started yelling and calling him Baby Yoda. Like Baby Yoda <laughs> run, Baby Yoda run. And she was dude, it was like watching a movie. It was like, like I'm getting emotional thinking about it because what I was watching there, when you're a football fan and you watch something historic and you watch a field game and it's a bunch of nobodies, like the movie The Replacements. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's an amazing movie. We're sitting there and my wife is not a football fan and getting excited because she's saying, they're telling the story, practice squad, this guy got cut, came back. And she's like, good for him, good for him. And then started cheering for him. That's how... That's how you get the casual fans. I mean, you want to use a wrestling analogy. We cared more about these nobodies than anybody they pushed down our throats on wrestling TV lately. That's me watching Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is the most exciting player in the NFL, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. The first player in history to throw for 5,000 yards, <laughs> 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I, he had seven pick sixes. This season, seven of them. And still kept the, the, the box in the game. Yeah. He's the most exciting player in football. People told me I was crazy when I said he was going to go 30 and 30. Yeah. 
What do you, Shows um, you. they should do a 30 on 30, a 30, 30 on 30, about his 30 and 30. What, what do you think is going to happen to him? I know he's they're, they're, they haven't been on your notes for the playoffs in years, but what do you think is going to happen to him? You got to resign him. You got, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have to resign Jameis Winston. He is the most exciting player in football and you need to sell tickets. Do you franchise him? Maybe. With his attitude and where he Maybe. is, if you tag him, how's that going to And also, you got to hold And you got Bruce Arians. If you hold, if you hold, you, you, this is where, this is where the case for a year round NFL season is good. Cause when this guy has some time off, you, you hold your breath. You're like, what's Absolutely. he going to do? I even want, I want Tampa Bay on hard knocks next year. I need, I need more Jameis Winston in my life. I think hard knocks is going to go away, but hard knocks would be good for the Bucks because they actually have a really, she's good. But, but the fact that you have a female strength and conditioning coach would be an interesting look into that. And also show her methodologies and what she does is really like cutting edge, like good stuff. The players love her and love the way she, and, and to get the respect that the players want, want to be trained by her and stuff like that. And also you get past all the bullshit. I'm sure somebody hit on her or whatever, but you know, she looked like she could jack a few of those guys up too, but you know who you go for, who would sell tickets, Cam Newton. Cam Newton under Bruce Arians would be incredible. I could get down with that. Um, in that case, I will make the case that the Cincinnati Bengals should, in fact, sign Jameis Winston and draft Chase Young with the number one pick. If, if I can get Jameis Winston and Chase Young instead of Joe Burrow, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Minnesota loses a pointless game to Chicago. 21 to nine Minnesota knew that they were going to be the five that that was all locked up. They just took the week off. No Kirk cousins, no Stefan Diggs, no Dalvin cook. Dalvin cook is saying that he will be healthy enough to play this Sunday in new Orleans. And I feel like that's really what the entire Minnesota game plan has to come down to give Dalvin cook the ball and don't let Kirk cousins lose it. Let's let's back up a few weeks when there was the big, um, well, it wasn't a blow up. It just seemed like there was going to be a blow up where Diggs wanted to be traded. Thielen was yelling at Kirk Cousins. Everybody's playing. And then they did a, like a really awkward podcast for the local Vikings podcast or whatever it's called. And it looked like that he lost the team and they were going to maybe, maybe even after this year, you know, trade him or, or just pay him off to go away. Where are they at now? I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is a bad guy. I've seen a lot of, a lot of like, kind of documentary style things like the thing where he was trying to find out where he was going. I think he's a really good guy, but I, maybe he's just meant misunderstood in the locker room. Seems like he, he doesn't just fit chokes. in there. I feel like he just chokes. Like I feel like the pressure gets to him, especially if it's a Monday night game, if it's a Sunday night game, if it's a Thursday night game, like Kirk cousins just does not play well on a big stage. That was even a rip on him going all the way back to Michigan state. Do you think it, do you think with Kirk cousins though, it's more so I, I just feel like I feel like that and I've been in this spot too in wrestling locker rooms. I'm not I'm not necessarily a bad guy. I just don't fit in with their with the boys going out or going to the strip club or going to the bar or doing whatever they're doing. I mean, if there was people that were working out at five AM, I'd fit in perfectly. But maybe Kirk Cousins is just one of those guys. He's a good guy, but he never connected with them on that level. And that's what's missing. Same thing with Carson Wentz. 
Could be a guy just wants to go out in the woods and hunt and fish. Doesn't want to go to the club. Seems to be that a lot of times. That's why maybe Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield fit in more, even though they're not as good. Does that make sense? I, I think the choking guy. has more to do with the fact that he's trying so hard maybe to fit in. In these moments when he's talking to these guys, they just like, whatever, dude, you didn't go out last week. What the, what the fucking... One more thing, too, when the touchdowns are thrown, and did you ever notice this? When Kirk Cousins throws a touchdown, he runs right to the sideline when everybody else is running to the end zone. I, I find that, now that's his fault. That To me, that's like, dude, you're not ingratiating yourself to anybody doing that. A couple of things. Uh, Sorry, as far as taking, I throw one out on a tangent. Well, no, I guess another guy that I think is like that is Phillip Rivers. Uh, a guy who very well could be coming towards the end of his career. And, you know, Philip Rivers just wants to go home and have more kids. I think he's got 814 kids now. They all live in San Diego. Um, but the thing with Philip Rivers is he doesn't win a whole lot. Like, he's been to one AFC championship game in his entire career, but he's 23 games over 500. Like, he's that guy that we all were pulling for because we we felt like he needed to be better, and he just wasn't. Every time he throws a pass, I, it looks like a duck, but he's so accurate. And like, what, what is this throwing motion? It looks like you couldn't even throw that pass five yards. Yeah. Like it always looks like it's tipped. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, uh, I have a fucked up elbow. I, I didn't tear my bicep, by the way. It ended up being like my elbows all really screwed up, but thank God. But I think I, I, I my throwing motion probably still looks better. <laughs> but for, you know, you talk about a savant, maybe he's just one of those guys like, I always thought Tebow was better than people said, even though his throwing motion, they said sucked. The guy could win. He knew um, how to win. And Kirk Cousins knows how to lose. Pay? What's that? And Kirk Cousins knows how to lose. Like, I, I think I think people have taught Kirk Cousins into a shoot. Like, I think the media getting on him and bringing up, you know, all these failures and the big primetime games and playoff games, heavy pressure situation, division on the line. The media has talked him into a shoot and now he's in his own head. I think that's Kirk Cousins problem. Rather than rather than looking and saying, my God, I'm I'm approaching uh, the money and hundreds of millions of dollars that Eli Manning has made in his career. Like the, the Kirk Cousins is like rich as anything. Yeah, like he's got a lot of and thirty nine million a year. Yeah, but but also franchise tag for what twenty four and twenty six before yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. that that could also have gotten to his head. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not defending him, but I kind of am because imagine like, imagine like you're just not getting signed. You're winning games. You're doing whatever you can. You beat Robert Griffin the third out for the job, and. You just get, keep getting different coaches and different coordinators and all this other stuff. And you're willing to stay there for three or four years. And they're saying no, even though they're a shit organization run by another money mark, the biggest money mark of all, probably. Um, Dan Snyder. And, 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 and they reject you. Now, that's yeah. got to get inside your head. Bunch of guys dressed up like pigs. Yeah, they rejected him. Yeah, there's so some they, punk 82 said he can afford some therapy to help him out. Yeah. And watch necessary roughness. Go to a psychiatrist. Any given Sunday. High, high, highly underrated football movie as well. Let's talk a little bit about the AFC. shots, though. I didn't like that part. Like just shots for the sake of shots. What You know what? The, the, any given Sunday, you know who, what shooting style picked that up? Well, they picked the shooting style up of that. 
uh, Taken 3. I just watched it. It reminded me a lot of the way hmm. Any Given Sunday was shot. And my my wife said the same thing I said when I first watched it. She's like, is this a new TV show? Because it was shot like an episode of a T rather than like Liam Nielsen. And don't right. watch Taken 3. Watch the first two. There's my movie review for the week. Let's talk about the AFC teams. Number one seed Baltimore. Their backups are still better than the Pittsburgh Steelers 18th string guys. Steelers go down 28 to 10. Loss takes Pittsburgh out of the playoff. As far as I'm concerned, Mike Tomlin still needs to be the coach of the year. The fact that he got this team to eight and eight somehow is just baffling to me. And then, of course, on the other side, there's Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman and RG3 is still better than anything that the Steelers had to throw out there. Dude, I saw a picture of Ben Roethlisberger. How much do you think he weighs? <laughs> do, I, do you think the deal with Roethlisberger is like, I ain't got to be in shape until August. Fuck it. I, yeah, I don't think he did. Dude, he, he did the Brett Favre for a couple of years. I'm going to retire. I'm not gonna, a raging alcoholic. He looks like he definitely that. And we know how much trouble he can get in a college bars if he drinks too much. He is definitely, he looked like, he looked like he ate Ben Roethlisberger. And now there's a new creature out ben there. Ben Roethlisberger ate a Ben Roth cheeseburger. He looked like he ate the motorcycle. Like he was like, I'm not going to ride this anymore. <laughs> I, I want to be safe. And he just ate it. Dude, I can't. And also that's another guy too. You talk about, he, he could have very well. Now this is a guy too, from a perspective of whatever. Now you talked about, I don't have to get in shape till August. His leadership skills have been very, very questionable for many, many years. He could have been the guy that prevented Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell from becoming Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. You can't you can't say the leaders on the team seem to be like the offensive line and defensive linemen, right? Or somebody, you know, the the quarterback is nowhere near the leader. And when he shows well, I mean, up even even when they were like running hot and they were winning the Super Bowl, right? That, that was Jerome Bettis's team. Like I, I've never felt like that was Ben Roethlisberger's team. I feel like it's Mike Tomlin's team more than it is Ben's. Yeah, true. But also Mike Tomlin let let the Antonio Brown stuff go and Valid. put it out there on press conference. What did you say? We'll tolerate it as long as uh, you know tolerance production ratio or whatever. He I can't think of the exact quote. But Ben Roethlisberger, I I think the past few years. It's just a job, man. Does it yeah. feel like that? Like, yeah, you gave what thirty five million a year? Yeah, right. sure. Why not? I mean, if I were they the only time that guy had any sort of like the only time he ever seemed motivated is when they drafted Mason Rudolph and he got pissed and he was like, yeah. I'm coming back. Like, what, what are you gonna do, man? I think they're going to do it again this year because I could easily see the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Nate Stanley out of the University of Iowa. He's basically a clone of Ben Roethlisberger. He's about six foot four, 240 pounds and likes to throw the ball in the dirt. Well, let's throw another name out the same name as before Cam Newton in Pittsburgh. That could be an interesting fit. But Mike Tomlin's a defensive. Who's the offensive coordinator again? Oh, it's Ben um, Roethlisberger's best friend. <laughs> That's why they brought him in. Oh, yeah. my God. That's, yeah. dude, they're not bringing anybody. They're not drafting any quarterbacks. No, no. Heads are going to have to roll first. Let's talk about Lamar, Lamar Jackson. MVP, I, I think that pretty goes 
un- unquestionably at this point. 66.1 completion percentage, 3,127 yards, 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. Oh, yeah. And then on the ground, 176 rushing attempts for 1,206 yards, another seven touchdowns. This guy has been exciting to watch. Stevie, my question, though, and I've been saying this all year, if Greg Roman gets a head coaching job somewhere, we saw what happened to Kaepernick when Greg Roman went away. Is the same thing going to happen to Lamar Jackson? My guess would be yes. Like, once again, we're undervaluing the offense. I would pay pay Greg Roman whatever he needs and try to match up the contract. I try to sign Lamar. (laughs) <laughs> like give him an extension, try to get him locked in at the rate he's at now. He's your franchise yeah. quarterback. Get those contracts between those two. And I'd even extend Harbaugh because getting a delegator is very, very hard. Dude, he was, I don't know what Derrick Henry ended up with. Was he about 300 yards shy of the rushing title too? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I, just absolutely ridiculous. And Derrick Henry did most of that just the, the second half of the season. But Lamar Jackson, it's been exciting. It's been a whole lot of fun. And this reminds me of Kaepernick mania when Kaepernick just absolutely caught fire out there in San Francisco. They took it all the way to the Super Bowl and people are like, oh, it's going to be a dynasty with Harbaugh and Kaepernick. And then the whole damn thing fell apart. And I feel like Lamar Jackson, I feel like it all could fall apart so easily. What was the timeline on Greg Roman? Did he get fired along with Harbaugh? Yeah, he went out. the The whole Harbaugh staff went. Same and that time. other guy, the defensive guy, that looked like the, like a greaser from Happy Days. That was the mustache guy. Yeah, Thomas, some some uh, TS something like he had a. Do you want to talk about like Freddie Kitchens? If you thought Freddie Kitchens was bad, <laughs> this dude was bad. Yeah, t- took San Francisco right back to the toilet. And suddenly it looked like Kaepernick had no idea what he was doing. Like he was just completely outclassed and the game was going way too fast for him. I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't buy Lamar Jackson. I know I should at this point. It's been an incredible season. But for a career, I, I, I'm seeing a lot more RG3 than I am, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Here's what it is. When you have a coach and you have a system and a coordinator, this is what can happen. This is what can happen. So I wouldn't say don't believe in Lamar Jackson. Anything barring an RG3-like injury, this is what you're going to get. But you need to keep the guy that's coaching him directly on the team. Yeah. Because what if the guy comes in next is supposedly he had lunch with Sean McVay. So he's somewhere... You know, and now you're going to throw all this different. He just learned the language and everything that he needs to learn. That first year, he took him to the playoffs when he replaced Flacco. Now, I think that was merely because you didn't have tape on him. You do have tape on him now, but it doesn't matter. He's going to break your ankles each and every time. But then you you turn around and you're like, I'm so glad RG3 is not telling him like, hey, listen, dude, you need to be a pocket passer. Like uh, what at the time, uh, Peyton Manning. Right. And, and I'm convinced I'm going to go back to the RG three thing. Cause I think Lamar Jackson has a more, he has a more grounded, uh, faith based, uh, you know, perspective from his mother. You know, every day his mother is his agent. You don't know how this guy grew up with. He lost his father. His mother was the only person. And she instilled all these, these, um, edicts in him 
that he carries today. So I think he's not going to turn into an RG3, but Mike Shanahan saying RG3, you're not Peyton Manning, but you're better in Peyton in some ways. All he heard was, I'm not Peyton Manning, want to run the daddy, Danny Snyder, and get Mike Shanahan fired. That's that's not going to be a Lamar Jackson. My fear with Lamar Jackson is kind of what we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes this year, that Mahomes just has not looked right ever since he got dinged up earlier on in the season. We saw the same thing with Michael Vick. Um, Lamar, he needs to learn how to slide. You know, that's one thing that Russell Wilson figured out a long time ago. He needs to learn how to slide because some of those hits that he takes, it's like, dude, you ain't got to run over those linebackers. Those linebackers are a whole lot bigger than you. Just either get out of bounds or learn how to slide. Do you think it's a height thing? Because because um, Cam Newton couldn't slide either. There's a big, big That's guys, possible. man. You have a and think about it. When you slide, I'm just saying. I you know, I'd run right out of bounds. I wouldn't even do either. I wouldn't go near them. But when you slide at that height, look at how Russell Wilson. Look what happened to Teddy Bridgewater sliding. They're nowhere, dude. You got a you got somebody diving across right at your face or at your chest, yeah. and you, you know maybe that maybe they're told get out of bounds and just shoulder somebody. Try not to do that. Cause once you give yourself up, you have a whole bunch of different injuries. And also with the length of the leg, I'm breaking it down. Technically the length of their legs to slide, they could jam up a knee or an ankle or a tear an Achilles easier. Maybe, I don't know. It just seems like you're you going know what more, I would do. more on an upper angle rather than Russell Wilson, who just has to go that far to slide across. You know what I would do? I would go in the off season and I would hang out with the Baltimore Orioles. And I'd say, hey, guys, teach me how to slide. (laughs) Teach me how to slide into second base. Can they even get on base? I heard they weren't very good. (laughs) Well, there there, there is that. But, I mean, just get with with some baseball people. Or, hell, even go hang out with Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson. Both guys, former baseball prospects, went number one in the draft, in the baseball draft. Kyler Murray easily could have been an Oakland athletic Decided he wanted to play football instead. Watch those guys slide. They got that stuff down to a science. It's Speaking true. of guys who can't slide, <laughs> guys who can't slide and never figured it out, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, when he slides hell half the time, he goes head first. Patriots lose in Foxborough to the Miami Dolphins. I am just perplexed by this. It makes absolutely no sense. And then I saw it was Ryan Fitzmagic. The Fitz magic strikes once again. He's the only guy to beat the Patriots for all three teams inside of the AFC East. He beat him with the Buffalo Bills. He beat him with the New York Jets. And now he's beat him with the Miami Dolphins. It's Fitz magic. That's the only thing that I can use to explain this. It, it's because he doesn't, he doesn't care. He's played the past few weeks with absolutely not a care in the world. I don't have a job. To, I don't. I'm probably not going to get re-signed. I like to come back. Coming back? No way. You don't think they're going to bring him back? No. No. I think that. I think they. Ironically enough, I think they're going to draft another quarterback they're because you know that's to, been working they, out so well for them. They're going to have to because um, Josh Rosen is done. He's, he he yeah. needs he needs the you know talked about the the therapy. He needs a therapist. He needs to be reset. Arizona destroyed him then he wanted a dolphin he's been on two bad teams he he has to play a backup role like Ryan Tannehill did for whoever's being drafted and then when he gets his chance he's reset and he needs a full year as a backup in a in a good system 
Maybe, yeah, he, hey, maybe if RG3 retires, if he's a backup for Lamar Jackson, who knows? Yeah, it just seems like he's completely lost his confidence. I, I agree with you. I think Arizona just destroyed him. And it's it's ironic because it's kind of like the Drew Brees situation when everything happened out in San Diego and then he gets mm-hmm. traded to Miami and Miami's like, yeah, your shoulder's crap. We're just going to release you. Then he ends up signing with the Saints, except Drew Brees went into it and he was like, I'm going to prove all these guys wrong. Josh Rosen's just like, yeah, you're right. I'm trash. It's very easy. And then just think, I think he was, I think Josh Rosen had two strikes in his own mind against himself when he got drafted. What was it, 10th or 11th by Arizona? And he said something like, oh, nine other teams lost out. You created too much bad press for yourself and maybe got inside his own head with that. Instead of saying, I really want to go to Arizona. It was him. It wasn't Josh Allen, right? It was Jim. No, it was Josh Rosen. Rosen. Yep. On the other hand, there's the New England Patriots and the New England Patriots are just not the New England Patriots. This team is not scary whatsoever. Uh, I mean, how do you fall all the way to a number three seed when you start 11 and 0? I don't know. I, I, I don't understand what happened. It was like ever since that Baltimore game, when Baltimore beat them in Baltimore, it has just been all downhill for the Patriots. This is another thing where I think you should have you should have paid Gronk whatever he wanted at the end of the season to come back, whatever yeah. he wanted. I don't care if it's twenty million dollars, whatever he wanted, like a five hundred thousand dollar contract with a twenty million dollar signing bonus. Bring him in because all it needs is that one pass, like he had in the Super Bowl, to change a game. That's why they were desperate for Antonio Brown. It wasn't a reclamation project like like Randy Moss or somebody like that. They were desperate to have something, some kind of threat. And you're right. The last year they should have they should have drafted a tight end ahead of time for Gronk to mentor. They should have drafted a Noah fan or anybody with a big ass body that can get across the middle and and take a hot well, not take it, but make a hospital pass. Not take it. You know, knock yeah. somebody out of the game. That's all that's missing. That's really, honestly, all that's missing is Gronk. He He's the guy that makes Tom Brady. And the other guy is Julian Edelman, who is basically being held together with scotch tape and toothpicks. Now, that's an interesting thing right there. Do you think, because he got busted for PEDs last year, he had a four-game suspension. But also doing the PEDs enabled him to stay strong throughout the season. This year, he's probably getting drug tested like every every week. He's not on PEDs, so his body's breaking down even quicker. Conspiracy theory about Brady is, is there something that's missing from his regimen now? Because the decline has been super, super fast. He's essentially not doing anything different. Yeah, but I look at this team and I'm just like, what's around him? You know, like not to make excuses for Brady, but, you know, 28-year-old Brady, maybe he could carry this team, but 42-year-old Tom Brady can't. And there is just, they're not athletic. I look at that offense and they just stink. Sony Michelle should be so much better than he is. Julian Edelman, I think what happened, I think about two, three weeks ago, he got his bell rung and he hasn't been right since. That's true. Uh, that offensive line just looks like it's fallen apart. I mean, granted, Brady only needs like, you know, what, two and a half seconds to throw the damn ball. But it, it's just 
the timing seems off. He's got a bunch of new receivers. Nikhil Harry was injured for the first 10 weeks of the season or something like that. Never developed any kind of chemistry with Brady. I, I, I don't know. I, I And this defense was supposed to be so good at the beginning of the season. People are ranting and raving about this defense. I halfway expect for the Tennessee Titans to go into Foxborough and beat them this week because I don't think they can stop Derrick Henry. I think he's just going to run all over the Patriots. The Titan, the Titans are super, super physical, so they could beat them up and wear them down. It might not be a good first half. That second half could be pretty ugly. They can get away from them pretty quick because Tannehill is a pretty good quarterback. He's found that system that works for him. Once again, a quarterback from the Dolphins that that underachieved. And look at what he's doing now. Or nothing's expected from him. He's playing Fitzmagic ball. Uh, but Tom Brady, you may have mentioned something too. He only needs two seconds to throw the ball. His routes and his throwing are much more timing-based than probably anybody in the league. He doesn't do anything to buy himself time. It's got to be right then, boom. He throws the ball where you're going to be, not where. He, what do you say in that one quote? If if you're if you're waiting for the ball, it's already too late. Yep, it's already too late. It's already passed you by. So Gronk, even though he goes up and it's jump ball, he's a timing receiver. So it's not so much he's slow. Uh, Antonio Brown runs great routes, so he obviously was in sync timing wise. Edelman's the closest thing he has. Everybody else, when he tells you, run four and a half yards, turn left, turn right, run another half three, these guys are like, what? I've never run this in college. Yep. Yep. It's a much more complicated offense than what these kids are used to running. And you're right. It's all timing. You have to be in the right place at the right time. Otherwise, the ball's going to be, you know, three feet in front of you, three feet behind you. And it makes Brady look like crap. True. Now, the only thing is, that now, uh, Voices of Misery podcast asked, does Brady retire? If they win the Super Bowl, probably, because he probably sees whatever. Of course, he could turn around and tell me what you think, Mike. He could turn around and go, if I get a complete offseason with these new guys, I can make them. And that's that's a really good point, I think, that he he gets a full offseason, go out to California, go at the, and coach these guys up. Next year we could have, they could be really, really good. Yeah, because Nikhil Harry, I thought that kid was going to be an absolute monster. And then it was just, it was kind of like Zion Williamson in the NBA. Like, when's he going to play? Is he ever going to play? Or is this going to be a complete bust and he's never going to get on the field? Finally got out there and now he just looks lost. Uh, there's another example of bad referee uh, calling where it should have been a touchdown. They should have won that game because of that touchdown and they didn't review it. So there you go. Yeah, I, I just don't understand Actually, that. Belichick, Belichick didn't waste the challenge. He lost the challenge, and he didn't, he didn't have, have one. left. Yep. I take that back. Titans win in Houston, 35-14. That clinches them. Um, Houston, they rested all their starters after Kansas City won to clinch the three seed. Had absolutely nothing to play for. Derrick Henry gets 32 carries, goes for 211 yards, Three touchdowns. Tannehill, 13 of 20, 198, two touchdowns. Going out there, just not giving anything up. And then just feed Derrick Henry. I can absolutely get behind that. I like the Titans. I'm just not sure that I buy Houston. That Houston defense is ranked 22nd in the league. They're the lowest ranked defense in all of the, the playoffs right now. But they may get back J.J. Watt. I'm not sure how much it'll help. But it would certainly help at least in the morale of that defense. 
Well, I think it's going to help a lot more than we realize. I mean, I don't know if they said he came back in record time from the torn pec. He's going to wear an apparatus to help protect it. But you have to think, and if you're an offensive lineman and you're smart, you're going to keep you're going to keep like striking that chest to try to see or try to see what side you can turn them and hit them. Uh, Buddy could be just as enough enough of a distraction, you know, or decoy for one of the other defensemen, or they could be like, he's, he's hurt. There's nothing. And they double up on the other ones and give him a path. He could end up. And also he doesn't need to, well, maybe God forbid if he goes up to block a pass and he tears his peck again, but remember he's JJ Swab, man, he can, he can knock down a lot of balls. So if he's playing against Tannehill and Tannehill reads it wrong and series, just look series reading me too, right there as I go, it, it's really tough. I think right here with um, who's Houston playing again? I'm sorry. Um, Houston. Let's see here. They will have Buffalo. Buffalo. That's very dangerous because Josh Allen can run, and they have um, yeah. they have a good running back. That's another one. They have they have decent receivers, but they really have no like Antonio Brown or Gronk or anything like that on their team on Buffalo. And Houston's kind of the same way. They got DeAndre Hopkins, I think. Who else they have? Uh, Will Fuller, is he still out? I'm not sure if he's in or not. He's been hurt I a just, lot this year. I don't buy Houston. I, I don't buy Houston at all. And I think Buffalo's going to eat him up. I'm going to take Buffalo in that game. It's Houston by three. But I think Buffalo's going to win that game. Week 14, look at what they did to Lamar Jackson. He goes 16 to 25, 145 yards. He has 11 carries for 40 yards. I think that Buffalo defense is just going to shut down the Houston offense, and then they're just going to run all over them. I'd have to agree with that. There's not, I don't know. Houston had a lot of momentum, but they're going to, if they can, if that defense can shut down any kind of zone read with, um, with Watson or if they, they, they beat him up early. They, they have nothing. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, the last team, Chiefs beat the Chargers 31-21. Poor Phillip Rivers. Just just can't catch a break. Even McCall Hardman, two kick returns, 117 yards. That 104-yard touchdown return, just absolutely ridiculous. That pretty well iced it. Damian Williams, 12 carries, 124 yards. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 16-25, 174, one touchdown, one INT. Not necessarily the most impressive stats. Really, ever since Mahomes returned from that injury, he just hasn't looked like Patrick Mahomes to me. I think he's it's the same injury or something else is going on. He's banged up. I mean, everybody's banged up in the last week of the season, but it, it, it might just be a bunch of things. It might be the cold weather affecting that ankle that he rolled. I think it was week one that he rolled it. Yeah, it was week one, week Jacksonville. two. Jacksonville? Might have been. I think so. Because that was like a body bag game. Him and Foles getting hurt in the first, the first throw of Foles through, he got hurt. But um, yeah, I think the, I think the bar was set. I don't think this is going to be necessarily something with Mahomes where we're seeing a decline or people have figured him out. I think it's more so he's just been hurt, and they're doing the smart thing rather than vanity metrics or trying to throw fifty touchdown passes. He's like, I don't care. We just got to win the game, and maybe, just maybe. Remember Belichick supposedly tanked the game against the Ravens so that way he had information for the playoffs. Maybe they're playing very conservative because in the playoffs they're just going to go crazy. 
It's a, it's a possibility. I, I would be surprised, but it is a possibility. So this is how things shake out this weekend. Saturday, it's going to be the AFC teams, 430 on ESPN, Buffalo at Houston. Houston favored by three in that game. And then the night game, Tennessee at New England. Patriots favored by four and a half points. Uh, the Patriots, two and three in the last five, including home losses to Miami, Kansas City, and the Texans. Stevie, I, I feel like both road teams on Saturday stand a very good chance of moving on. I agree, and this is something we didn't talk about. Now, Bill Belichick isn't really that familiar with how Mike Vrabel coaches, but Mike Vrabel is very familiar being a former defensive guy with how Bill Belichick coaches. Absolutely. He's practiced against Tom Brady. He's got all the information he needs. That's very, very dangerous. Just don't think they can stop Derrick Henry. Tennessee three and zero in their last three road games at Houston, at Oakland, and at Indianapolis. They've been having to win out in order to make it in. I think that's going to continue. I think it's going to be the end of the evil empire up in New England. Sunday, the NFC games at one o five, Minnesota at New Orleans. That's going to be on Fox. Saints plus eight. You know, it's it's funny, Stevie. As I was looking at this, there's a comparison here between. Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins. Cousins, 307 of 444, 3,603 yards, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. Drew Brees, 281 of 378, 2,979 yards, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions. Oh, yeah, but Drew Brees, he missed five weeks. Yeah, no question. He would have gotten 5,000 yards passing. He would have gotten, you know, 40, 50 touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, but that Kirk Cousins, like you said, th- these are the numbers that got him the guaranteed contract in Minnesota. Yeah, the number thirty six hundred yards, twenty six and six. That's nothing to sneeze at. It's the, it looks good on paper, but like you said, how many wins? How many playoff wins? How many Super Bowl wins? What are you converting those numbers into? Because once again, uh, what are you looking at? Some of these numbers, like Aaron Rodgers and other people, he throws for three twenty three with one touchdown, I think, or maybe two. Okay, that means you're getting the field goal range, but you're not converting it. Now, if you're throwing for that and you have five touchdowns a game, like Lamar Jackson was getting touchdowns here and there, it's different. I mean, it's, yeah, he had, he had one game he threw for like 240 yards and had like six touchdowns. It's just absolutely ridiculous numbers for Lamar Jackson earlier this year. So I'm assuming you have um, you have New Orleans in this game, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take New Orleans. I, I just don't think that Minnesota is going to have the firepower, especially with an injured Dalvin Cook. I think he's going to be the key to this entire thing. I agree, but what's the – what's the um, are there any injuries or anything going on with New Orleans that says that they're not going to have a great run defense in this game? Nothing that I'm really that aware of. Anything reported. Now they're working out. Here's the interesting thing. Once again, I go to a conspiracy theory. They're working out Antonio Brown. Is there an issue with another receiver? Because this came completely out of nowhere. Even with hmm. the risk of him going on the commissioner's exempt list. I mean, because the the only thing that would make any sense to me, Michael Thomas, all right. I we know that he broke all these records. But the one thing that nobody else is talking about is when you look at the targets, he had 120 more targets than every other Saints receiver. So you think? So if you take wear, him out, you think he has too much wear right now? 
could be. I mean, because it, it kind of seemed like he was dealing with a little bit of a calf injury. That could be pretty nagging. I just, I'm still curious about them. I know I bring it, I brought it up multiple times. I'm still curious why they would work him out knowing, unless they think the commissioner is going to do him a solid because he screwed him over like twice already. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we'll let him play for the season. That would send such an awful message to anybody that like no punishment will ever. Now, now Antonio Brown hasn't been, he hasn't violated it. Well, you can say violate conduct, but conduct detrimental to whatever team he's detrimental been to the shield. But these things are still under investigation. These things are, he hasn't been convicted in a court of law. So there could be one of two things that have, um, the way of looking at it. But my guess is if he, anybody, if, if the saints signed him for, before the playoff game, immediately he would go on the, the exempt list. No question. Yeah. And then Stevie's big game. 4.30 NBC, Seattle Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. Stevie, I got to admit, I was a little surprised. Eagles by one and a half is the odds going into this game. And then I dug a little deeper. Seattle, their last five, two and three losses for San Francisco, Arizona. And then they had that embarrassing loss against the Rams. Philly in their last five, four and one. Their last loss at Miami. I'm sure you don't want to talk about that. That was on December 1st, so it's been over a month since they lost. Wins against the Giants, Dallas, at the Redskins, the Giants again. Are the Eagles going to fly? Eagles fly? It's tough to say because everything you just said there, that they slept on Miami and lost, but they were completely motivated with all these NFC, as you call it, the NFC least games. They had to win these games. They, there was a lot of pride at stake. There was there was the there was the season at stake. There was so much at stake. I wonder they had the Super Bowl hangover. They were they were very very proud that we finally won a Super Bowl. I wonder if they're. It's very important to be motivated to say that every everybody thinks you're losers. Everybody thinks you're on a practice squad. You were this. We just got you off the street. Nobody believed in you. These are the Seattle Seahawks. Nobody's giving us a see. I hate Eagles by one point five because if anybody reads that, they're like, "Oh, they are giving us a chance. We're favored." That's the worst thing that can happen to Philly. That's yeah. what scares me. And Seattle, just maybe they might be emotionally down or feel screwed and looking at the San Francisco game instead of looking at this one. That's the only hope that I would have that that they're distracted, saying we should have been playing at home, not playing in Philly. How important is this game for Carson Wentz? Um, we, we haven't seen Carson in a playoff game yet because he's always hurt by the time Philly would make it to the playoffs. It's been the Nick Foles show. How important is this game for Carson Wentz to prove, hey, you paid me all this money for a reason? Yeah, this would anything short of the Super Bowl for Wentz himself would be somewhat of a failure. You can make any excuse, but I think the excuses are done because we've overcome so much. We like I own the team The the team has overcome so much at this point. Now they're expecting it. Like Wentz is doing what he's doing. Like if you fall short, then you really, I don't know. It's hard. You, anybody who says he wasn't worth the money, you should have kept falls is going to say that he failed. Anybody that believes in him say, well, look at what he did. So it's all right. perspective. I think in his mind, though, is like 
put a statue of me next to the false statue. What do you, that's interesting. They put up the false statue. What do you think should happen if Carson Wentz wins them a Super Bowl? Uh, they got to put one up for, for for Wentz then, don't they? If, if, if he wins the Super Bowl. One, I don't think no. they ever should. No, that, I don't see any reason to take it down unless he wins Jacksonville a Super Bowl. <laughs> like Jeez. that's going to happen. I don't even know if he's going to play another down for Jacksonville. I don't think he is. I'd like to, dude. I, I mean, stranger things have happened. Matt I'd Flynn. Like, I'd like to see him come back again as a backup for Philly. You remember Matt Flynn when he was the backup for Aaron Rodgers and he, he came in, yep. won, won that won that playoff game, went and got paid in Seattle, got a whole bunch of money, got replaced by Russell Wilson. Back to Green Bay he goes. Get that money. This would be a record. This would be three times that Falls came back to be a backup and would also, I mean, he wouldn't, it would be the best backup you could have. I don't, I don't know like how pay wise it would work because he's getting what? 20, 20, 25 million a year. Yeah. They paid him. They so paid him well. Last contract, you know, of his career. Very well could be. I think, so I think they should. I think if they, once again, you talk about roles and I, I don't want to, go off on a tangent, even though, even though it may have like had a lot of people split, Nick Foles should have taken backup money. Yeah. Because no, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. That, that two quarterback system seemed like it was working for Philadelphia very, very well. Yeah. I mean, and, and they seem to get along. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think Carson Wentz, hey, they didn't have any animosity. They understood. He looked genuinely happy for Nick Foles in the in the in the Super Bowl. Obviously yeah. he wanted to be in there. But I, yeah. I don't know. It's very, very hard to see if there was any sort of dynamic. And, and you know, maybe Carson Wentz did a uh Tom Brady and went to the owner and said, get this guy out of here. Yeah, and, and that's a distinct found, possibility. And the team found out about it. That could have been the heat earlier. Yeah. Like he did yeah, some it, it sure seemed like he was losing that locker room and, and they somehow managed to turn this thing around. That That's interesting because the point where I thought the season was lost for the Eagles was when nobody blocked. Remember the, uh, the famous mm -hmm. clip of the offensive line just standing around and nobody helped him up after they let him get, it was literally, what was the, what was the, what was the movie where they just split it? Oh, it was the replacements where the yeah. quarterback came back and they just parted the Red Sea and let them go in. Like, and that's yeah. a real thing that Mark Schlereth, uh, Marcus Marcellus Wiley, all these offensive line and uh, guys and defensive line guys have said, hey, they said, we're moving, come and get them. Like, there's a reason why around the holidays you'll see like Aaron Rodgers buys all of his offensive linemen a brand new big screen TV, have it sitting there waiting for them in their locker when they get there. Seen a couple of guys, you know, take them out, get them custom fitted for brand new custom suits, like all kinds of crazy stuff going on between the, the quarterbacks and, and the offensive linemen. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe Carson Wentz needs some bonding time with those big boys up front. I think it happened because this is like. This turned it all around. And even if they don't like him, they're like, this dude's for real. We, we want another Super Bowl. Yeah. Because everybody's getting paid. And, then, you know, going to the, even the teams that sucked that, that are playing backups or doing whatever. Week 17 was probably the best week of the season and the best week I've seen in a while because if you weren't playing for the playoffs, 
everybody was playing for their job. It wasn't pride. It was like, how much money can I make? How can I keep my job? What if they fire the coach? Am I still going to be here? It's not just coaches. Player, favorite players of the coaches can get traded or cut too if the new coach coming in is like, I, I'm not a mark for you. I don't care. Yep. Absolutely. Unless you're Jameis Winston, because I'm totally a mark for Jameis Winston. But so that's going to wrap things up. Mark for Jameis Winston. Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, or the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Be sure that you visit our sponsors, Zordo's Olive Oil. Be sure that you visit Stevie over at stevierichardsfitness.com. You can find me right back here Thursday for an all-new edition of HTM Sports, as well as the Wrestle Kingdom preview. That'll be coming your way real soon. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at Not Jargo. Stevie, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, I, I try to I try to hide. I try not to be found. But StevieRichardsFitness.com is the best. I, I'm on Instagram a little bit at Stevie Richards. I haven't been on Twitter in like 26 weeks. Sal and Good I. For you. Made, Sal and I made a pact about that. It's been it's been six months. It's been blissful and incredible. It's been awesome. Yeah, yeah, it went by very quick. But I still like Instagram, and also I'm in the Hobby Media Group on Facebook. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. I'm putting this up on the YouTube channel, as well as putting up a lot of stuff fitness-based, uh, especially with my arm injury and stuff, documenting that. And the whole month of January will be focused on fitness product reviews. Also, hackerhobby.podby.com, Stevie Richards Broadcast. Episode 20 is coming up which will actually debut on 2020. So you talk about conspiracy and numerology. I don't know what that means, but somebody out there probably does. I appreciate it. This is, I, I'm so sorry once again, uh, Jargo, that we didn't do this sooner. This was a lot of fun and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully everybody enjoys the, the first weekend of the playoffs. Hopefully we'll be back here next week. If you enjoyed the show, be sure that you hit us up. Drop us a comment. Hit us on Twitter. Well, don't hit Stevie on Twitter. He ain't going to see it. Hit me on Twitter and I'll tell Stevie about it. How about that? Yeah, it should be a good time. Looking forward to the playoffs. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. Only a little over a month to go. Everybody have a very safe, a very, very happy new year. Don't leave your laptop in the hooker's car. RBV learned that one the hard way this week. We will be back Monday inside the locker room. Stevie will be back Friday inside the locker room with the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!